Welcome to the podcast. We talk about all the things that are hidden in the shadows. This is Isaac, and on this first time ever Paranormal Roundtable, a Hidden in the Shadows edition, uh, this is episode one of two, I believe, of the Paranormal Investigators uh, section, I guess you want to say. Um, I have a, a team of, uh, uh, sorry, I have five individuals, sorry, four individuals that I am have the luxury of uh, having discussion with when it comes to the paranormal, paranormal investigating. Um, guys, go around and uh, introduce yourself. Hi there. So I am Gina Armstrong, and I am from Haunted History, BC, up here in BC, Canada. And uh, my sister and I uh, have been investigating probably since about 2017. Uh, went public uh, 2020, where we started a website, social media, and kind of are sharing everything, all the places we're exploring and uh, we're writing about it, taking photos and yeah, and we're having a great time and we're joining up with other paranormal groups in the area as well. And we go to a vast array of uh, local locations for now because we can't travel to the States yet, but one day we'll make it down there again too. So hi, everybody. (laughs) Thanks for coming on. Hi. Hi, I'm Sharice McKinney. Um, I, uh, uh, my team is Lonely Soul Society Paranormal, and we are in the Pacific Northwest, just outside of Seattle. Uh, my team, um, we've been active for a couple of years. Uh, we don't always get to go all together at once, but um, we really enjoy hanging out in graveyards and, uh, you know, going to some of the more popular places every now and then, but finding uh, and private residences as well. Um, I'm a medium and have been... I would imagine in some way since birth. Um, and so our team was created because I wanted other people to be able to experience what I experienced by the use of scientific equipment. So that's where our team was born. Yeah. Well, my name is Oscar. I am with uh, the Induce Fear podcast and our paranormal team, which was just put together not too long ago is IF Paranormal. Um. We're here based in Colorado. We go around through local shops, figure out what's going on there when people say there's some type of disturbance anywhere. And then we have a couple of graveyards, one right next door to us. And then also a park that has 2,000 bodies buried underneath it that we love to go to. So, yeah, that's what we do. (laughs) How's it going, everybody? Uh, I'm Corey Medeiros um, from Paranormal Hunters of Mass, um, based out of Westport, Massachusetts. Um, I started the team, I want to say, in May of last year. Um, it was really when I got into urban exploring and started to experience stuff that I didn't know what it was until I really got into the paranormal. Um, so we started spending a lot of our times in mental hospitals and morgues and investigating and then we started doing the houses and just linking up with other people and seeing where it takes us awesome and of course i am your host isaac sanchez um podcaster hidden shadows podcast and uh co-founder of shadow walker paranormal a paranormal team that investigates all through jacksonville east north north carolina area including swansboro cape carnet and um hubert but uh we look to branch out our uh, investigation areas um, and, I, and I also have uh, psychic abilities, but not per psychic per se. Um, and I'll probably explain that later. But um, I'm glad to have you guys on this. The first ever uh, paranormal roundtable um, with Hidden in the Shadows. Uh, a, a concept that me and Megan had, had the idea for a while ago, especially because we have 
been in contact with so many different paranormal investigators and um, being paranormal investigators now ourselves for the last nine months, I think we have. Um, we wanted to hear an opinion from more experienced parent investigators and, you know, some we've started off as well. And, you know, we just put the, uh, the call out for everyone to, you know, you know, Hey, if you want to come on, come on. And, you know, we didn't expect such a, uh, uh, we call it outstanding uh, response because now we have to have two nights of this because we have so many people who want to come on. We have to split in two. Um, but one of the uh, first things I guess I want to talk about is gear. Because I know when it comes to permanent investigators, gear, you either got the top level stuff or you're using your phone. Um, and I always wanted to know between everyone, uh, do you use any kind of specific gear? Do you have any customized gear or you're basically just using what you got? Um, I guess I'll start. Um, I use uh, kind of the kind of the customary, like the the basic kind of ghost hunter starter pack, but it's always the tried and true stuff that goes with darn near any investigation um no custom gear but an emf detector is probably my favorite thing um i like a lot of the simplified and not too uh, heavily involved technology um i find sometimes that the heavy technology the heavily advanced technological devices can be a bit distracting actually and then i'm not sure if i am paying more attention to the technology that I'm trying to manage or the actual sensitivities and the real experiences. Um, so personally, I really like just the tried and true recorder, camera, EMF meter, spirit box. Um, yeah. yeah. That's very yeah. much the same with us as well. So we have, we don't have all the fancy gear. Um, someday on the list would be a nice SLS camera. It would be great. But um, for now, it's um, a digital recorder. We use our iPhones. We have a couple of different EMFs. Um, and just, yeah, I think uh, just reading the room and using your intuition is a big one. So I think a lot of, I agree that a lot of uh, fancy gadgets that you're pay- looking down on and looking around, it's it's really distracting. So we're pretty minimal. So nothing custom. And um, when we do team up with people, sometimes they have, you know, things that they bring as, as well. So we do have a ghost box. We have a, um, a friend who makes ghost boxes. So he kind of brings his own. But yeah, basic gear. And that seems to work pretty well. Yeah, I agree with them too as well. I mean, basic gear. We we have an SLS personally. We use it. I want to say eighty percent of the time. I think something isn't right with it. It's not. It it's showing things that aren't really spirits. I think because it's weird. But most of the time, EMF digital recorder, and I use a custom spirit box. I've tried the S boxes and the SB elevens, and I don't. I think we get better with the custom ones. So how does the custom one work for you? Like, what did you alter in it that makes it work better? I actually, my buddy does it. Doesn't, but he solders them and does something with the circuit boards to make them scan through the channels. But I think they do a better job of scanning and 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 they're louder. I mean, I don't have you guys used the, the ghost box in the SP7. You got to use like yeah. an external yeah, speaker with them. Mm-hmm. I mean, I this this is pretty much like a boom box. It's tiny. It fits in the palm of your hand, but it's loud. It's like a uh, Bluetooth speaker. Awesome. Yeah, we we basically use, just like you guys, the basics. Um, I think we recently got gifted um, a night vision camera. So Ooh, nice. that was pretty cool. Uh, but we really love the EMF and um, the spirit box, those two. And recently we used the pendulum 
for our latest investigation, which really did some weird things, which was cool. But mainly the basics don't like to rely on like apps or anything like that. Ah, don't put apps out of the, um, you know, using whatsoever. Um, Because funny enough, my team, we've barely had any equipment to begin with besides the EMF detector. Um, But Ghost Tube seems to be the most prominent app that we use other than Necrophonics. Um, Ghost Tube is about, I would say, 80 to 90% effective or at least accurate when it comes to asking questions and getting answers. Necrophonics about that same level, too, um, as using for a basic spirit box in your phone. If I had to put any stock in any kind of paranormal apps, it would be those two. Because um, Ghost Tube we use regularly to communicate and we get pretty on-spot answers. Oh, wow. That's cool. Yeah, we've actually used that app a couple times. My partner likes to use it a lot, and nine out of ten times you get a response. And oh, they're wow. creep they're creepy. They're creepy. Yeah. It's yeah, kind of like an it's, it's kind of like an obvious. Yeah, I'm that? bringing something home, like in, if you're using your phone, but I guess you know it's not any different than any other equipment. So yeah, well true. <laughs> I guess this comes to a, a question, I guess, for um uh, Sharice and, and Gina, um, and even even myself, because I'm not saying anything against Corey or Oscar, but um, this is the following question. It says, using your senses or abilities versus using equipment. Now, I know Sharice is not about using, not using technology and getting involved in it and stuff like that. And me, myself, I don't use any equipment to find uh, spirits when I'm out in the field or anything like that. Most of the time, I, I focus on my ability to help me locate and and deal with it and stuff like that so that's why big question even using your senses of, of sight and hearing when you're out is probably at best sometimes more than using equipment that could pick up some other activity or other electronic uh, interference and stuff like that so that's why a question would be do you find using your abilities or your own senses better using some equipment 100 percent um, absolutely. Uh, I know that, um, I think that it's, as I get older, especially, I no longer second guess my instinct. Like me, I think when I was younger and I was using technology and equipment, it was validating to really kind of figure out, am I actually hearing what I'm hearing? Um, and so now I would say my own perception and senses and listening and feeling, um, because of how strange it is when I do hear things. Um, it sounds to me like when you're underwater and when you're underwater and you hear people talking above you above water is how I hear and sense spirits. And yes, I don't need like you. Um, I don't need the equipment to find anything. Um, although I will say I have been surprised because we're not always on the mark. Um, and so sometimes I have had the equipment pop up with something and I'm like, Oh, I'm not by myself in this room. So, um, but I would say definitely I, I rely more heavy on uh, my own instinct than I do the equipment for sure. I would, I would say the same thing, just um, getting to a place um, and not, if you are using equipment, we don't, you generally uh, whip it out right away. So we like to walk around outside, get kind of a reading for the outside of the building or location that we're in. If you're going indoors, just kind of wandering around and just seeing the feel that you get. And sometimes we have people with us, too, who get a sense for something. So we sort of work together to get a feel for a specific location and then kind of go from there. If we feel something or if we're feeling like, OK, this might be a good spot, then we might get out the EMF or the digital recorder a lot of times and then 
sometimes we've caught stuff in pictures that we didn't expect to catch. And then we thought, okay, well, we felt like we were alone in there. But then you look at photos and it kind of really freaks you out. Also, Gina, do you find like something that has happened with with uh, with me is um, EMF in particular can really, you know, as, as you two probably know, can really mess with a medium's um, gauge and read sometimes. And so I do like an EMF meter so I can then really determine, like, especially if I'm in an old building, you know, I really like using that to determine, am I actually feeling what I what I am picking up on or is it a fear cage? You know, that's a very real thing. So I do like the supplement of technology for sure. Yeah, I would agree too. Just, it's nice to have it on hand, but there were times when before we really, you know, went on social media and started really doing this, you know, more intensely, we just went in with, with our senses. And sometimes you heard things, you had things happen. And if somebody like throws something at you or you hear a voice, you just, you just hear it regardless of whether you have equipment or not. So a lot of times you can hear, you know, taps and things like that. So you don't really need all the fancy stuff. I mean, the, the equipment's nice just to maybe get some evidence so you can say, hey, it's now recorded. Because there were times when we wished we had something to record or something to kind of say, hey, we did capture something. So it is kind of cool when you do listen back to your digital recorder and you actually hear something and, you know, it's legible or you catch a video of something that's that's actually there that you experienced at the time. So. Mm-hmm. Oscar being and uh, Corey being, I guess, not having psychic abilities, do you ever find yourself just like listening and, and like feeling out an area versus trying to find something with equipment? Um, yeah, I mean, um, a lot of times when we first started urban exploring, we actually had a spirit medium who was exploring with us and she would sense a lot of stuff and be like, hey, you know, did you notice that over there? And at first I wouldn't, but as we got more and more into exploring this hospital, we spent a lot of time there. I started seeing things that she was seeing and hearing, and it was, it was kind of crazy. And then we like, like Gina said, we would bust out the the recorder or, or the, the digital camera and, and see what we could catch. And I've got pictures from this hospital in broad daylight where you can see nurses and windows. It's pretty creepy. That's like the battery effect. Like, I don't know if Gina and uh, if you guys have experienced this where when sometimes when mediums bring someone who isn't a psychic medium with us, sometimes we can be like a battery. And then all of a sudden someone's like, why am I hearing the same things you were hearing? What is happening? Oh, yeah. yeah. So <laughs> Sometimes we're batteries. And I so, think too, yeah. we have more ability than we actually think. Even people who think that they're not sensitive. I think we've all experienced that where you're either like, if you're like, for example, moving and you're looking at apartments or, you know, sometimes you just walk in the door and you just know, nope, this place just doesn't feel right. For whatever reason, it's not, you know, any, any different than any other place, but there's just a feel like it just doesn't feel right when you walk in. Or I think a lot of us have that, but we just, you know, don't pay attention day to day. So I think, you know, when you go into those locations where there's supposed to be energy, then if you kind of pay attention to that, I think everybody can sort of hone those skills, you know, as you, as you go. So. I totally think that's right. Like, you know, uh, Oscar and Corey, um, have you ever experienced? Well, well, also, too, if we look at this, if we look at this like a language, right, the more investigating that we do, the more we start to pick up on the subtleties in our body about what happens. And then it's almost like like regardless of uh, whether you have declared medium or psychic abilities, 
when you speak a language, you start to pick up the accent. You know, it's 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 almost like your body learns how to react to when you know something is in the room, especially if you've done this more and more and more and more and more. And that goes back to our, you know, caveman days, our pack behavior, where we all used to have this. We all used to have this. And so I think what ghost hunters do, even those with without psychic or medium abilities, you do develop them. And that is that is all about that uh, going back to our, our primal knowledge base, um, which I find fascinating. You know, we stop second guessing ourselves and we start to go back to to the sensations we had before language. You know, we just knew. So we all do have that. I totally think you're right, Gina. Yeah, I have my um, my fiance who does the investigation with me and our latest one. She really connects when it comes to an area. Um, in the latest one, it was two girls who had committed suicide and the anxiety and kind of panic attacks that they would have. She started to feel all of all of their emotions in this area. She started to feel their separation anxiety. She didn't want to be separate from me throughout the investigation and so when I'm around her, like you said, you being a battery for people who aren't, I can barely sense if something is in an area, but that's just either me being scared or actually picking up on something. But when I'm with her, it's a completely different different game that's happening. Right. And that is such a science thing. Actually, uh, my day job, I, I, teach, um, I teach science and in, in one of my jobs. And so the battery. So that's the, the battery piece that I'm talking about. A lot of people that I would say that to are like, oh, that's woo woo stuff or magic, but it actually isn't. It's, it's physics. It is physics, especially if you're bonded with another human. So your fiance, she picks up on these sensitivities. Your cellular makeup actually mimics hers. So if you have someone who's picking up a different frequency, you actually, your cells will start to change and behave like that person. It's pack behavior. And so it's really not that, not that big of a stretch to, to, to understand this when it's explained that way, rather than us just saying, you know, it's magic or I don't know how to explain it. We actually, we actually do have a lot of explanation for why that, that happens. So it makes perfect sense. Makes total total sense. Mm -hmm. Yep. And I think two group dynamics can, can shake things up. If you've got like, either if you're not with the right group of people who are in the right mind frame or, you know, you just, I don't know, there's just things that can change that can make it so that it sort of closes off any sort of chance for spirits to come forward or for you to sense anything. If you've got like just somebody who has negative energy or comes in with a lot of like chaotic energy that can, I think that can kind of shake things up too. So it's not always, you know, it's sometimes, yes, who you have with you as well. So that opens up the, the lines of communication, I think. For sure. It's like that vibration thing, right? That we, we all probably hear yeah. like high vibration and low vibration yeah. rather than negative and positive energy. So if you have someone who's like super anxious and, mm-hmm. and very, very high, high vibration, then everyone else in that group is going to rise somewhere up to meet that. And then that creates like this mass hysteria piece and this mass energetic piece. And then quite the opposite. If you have individuals who are running you know depressed and really lower vibration in a group setting of ghost hunters then then it's it it's interesting to see how everyone starts to kind of lower themselves down right and so gosh it's so important to be grounded um i don't know if you guys feel the same like really grounded and really calm and really centered before you go in with your team and you're right you know like the team the team dynamic is everything it really is 
Yeah. My the medium the medium that hung out with us was the same way. She always talked about like you, Detrice, with the grounding and being very clear head before you go into a location and don't drink the night before and don't do this. Like she was very adamant about all of that. And it definitely did play a role if people didn't abide by the rules. I noticed a difference. Yeah, for sure. And like when we're sick or something, or hey, have a couple of drinks and go in and see what happens, you know? So it's yeah. pretty interesting how that changes everything. Yeah. I think too, knowing knowing the history of a place, because we focus a lot on on history. And one of the things that we do is a little bit of research. So I think you go in with with some sort of a knowledge about the location so that you're sort of prepared and you, you know, so you can be prepared if you're going to speak to any entities or energies around there, just kind of knowing about the location is is extremely helpful. I know some people like to go in completely blind, but we like to do our fair bit of fair bit of research. I'm I'm the same way too. I'll research a place for probably about a month before I go. I mean, the urban explorer in me, likes to do yeah. that you know the pictures and the history and yes i wish i was more like that i kind of tend to be a little bit reckless i'm like oh sweet there's this new location i'll be there tomorrow and then i'm kind of starting to learn my lesson a little bit like that like oh maybe i should have done a little bit more uh research so i get really excited about a new place I'm like okay i want to be there first and that goes to that competitive piece isaac that you were talking about I'm like what there's a new haunted location I'm going tomorrow just to make sure I, you know, just to put your flag in. Yeah. 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 You know, Well, that's, that's a lot about what got me more into the paranormal and kind of away from the urban exploring a little bit, because that's how everybody is on Instagram right now. It's like, who can get the best shot, who can get the best shot and post it now. Where people, where where people like me will go and then we won't post our shots for like a month down the road or our YouTube channels because we want to save the spot, you know? Yeah. But people, people can't even wait two minutes. They're posting on their stories as they're in the building. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Just... No. Same, same with us. It takes a while for us to go through the photos, and you know, to want to. I mean, we'll post some things maybe the next day, just if we get a cool picture or something. But as far as really posting about a location, it it takes us a little while, and to review evidence too, right? So, oh, yeah, evidence. yeah. Because I take like maybe five hundred oh. pictures. You can get like five hundred pictures, and then you have to sort through them all. So. Yeah, the evidence behind is a thing. Yeah, well, going on the subject of being grounded in uh, situations and investigations, um, the importance of going grounded, or at least having a positive sense of mind, is to avoid attachments, Um, especially going into certain investigations that might be hairy um, or cause for any kind of protection. Um, A better question to follow up with is what do you, what does everyone do? to protect yourselves, to avoid attachments, or do to avoid attachments after or during investigation? I would say for us, uh, um, uh, we bring we bring things like crystals. We do bring trinkets and things with us to, you know, talisman, I guess you would call them. But And then also, depending on where we're going, if we're going, for example, we spend a lot of time in cemeteries, we do bring offerings to cemeteries. You know, we bring tobacco, coins, just kind of do a little, you know, introduction of ourselves before we walk in and then, you know, do a little offering. And then also, you know, coming in the same way you went, coming out the same way you went in, those types of things. Just we, you know, we're pretty, pretty much uh, pretty organized when we do that. So you just make sure that you leave them and you tell them to kind of stay where they're at. So we, we do tell them to stay, please, you know, stay behind. We don't want to take you with us. So, Right. 
Um, I kind of went for blood, Isaac. So after my experience in Jerome, <laughs> I went ahead and just got the Archangel Michael sigil tattooed on my forearm. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So uh, prior to that, um, I I would uh, a couple of members on our team. We actually really like to go with all of our team members have different belief systems, which I find really valuable for protection. And um, like we have one of our team members, uh, Doreen, is, she practices, you know, on occasion Santeria. And so she brings her protective measures. Um, I work a lot with angels um, and I'm, you know, studying demonologist. And so I definitely go with Archangel Michael. And then um, we have our resident Christian member of our, of our team. And so we really respect the levels and the uh, beliefs of each individual team member, which, which we kind of feel drives up the protection um, level for that. And then um, as far as uh, not bringing home attachments, we just, I just don't allow them. Um, and I don't know if that, I, I don't know how to explain that any, any further really than I just say, you're not coming home with me. Now I do, however, do this quirky thing. If I put a line of black salt in front of my door before I come back home. Um, so yeah, it's so refreshing to talk to all of you and not feel like I'm the only crazy person in the room. It really feels great. <laughs> so I mean, the, the medium we had on our team was very adamant about, like you said, like you can't follow us home. Like she would scream that when we would leave places, you know, this is your home. You stay here. And she was very adamant about burning sage before we went into places. And when we left places, I used to do it. I kind of stopped doing it. I don't know if it helped, if it's if I'm in a worse place now. But as far as attachments, I don't think I have any at the moment. I mean, the house I live in is haunted now because of the person who died in it. But, you know, I just take it as it goes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I, I use um, any type of stones. Um, obsidian is one so that I don't have any negative type of things <laughs> like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it works. It works well, especially because, like I said, my fiance, she's very open and feels things. And really takes it in. So my main thing is protecting her from from negative attachments and anything like that. So prayers, stones, crystals, things like that really help. There's yeah. so much power in ritual, you know. I mean, it's been like that since the dawn of time with humans. And so I think that this is this is really just, you know, the same. Well, do, ritual. do you do you believe in like like you're talking about stones and stuff i the, one of the girls that used to be on a team she was a reiki instructor and she used to make like the the bracelets with all the certain stones in them and she said that the belief would help to keep the energy away from so i used to wear those too but i kind of stopped doing that as well what do you what's your thoughts on that no i i, I, I was gonna say um that's that that those those bracelet stones i never gave two two cares about before i became an investigator but after i became an investigator i surely i positively believe in them because um they would vibrate on my wrist um before my ability would be uh activated and i never felt anything like that before um so and when i when after investigations we'd find these crystals cracked and broken for the amount of energy we dealt with in investigations and stuff like that so yeah i i, I would suggest wearing those in investigations for protection reasons especially dealing with energy a high level energy in different places but funny enough sure yeah. my team um yeah is uh amongst of di- different um religious uh backgrounds mm-hmm. um my wife is, I would say, into, I would say into, but she kind of follows through um, the pagan sense of minds. Um, Celine and Athena, she kind of 
focuses Moon on two. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, yes. My lead psychic, who's more of a shamanistic type of mind, he's very Norse religion. Um, to Thor, Freya, and 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 um and Odin and stuff like that. Uh, same for his wife and Bashila's a little bit on set. We all have um aspects of even myself. I consider myself a spiritualist, but uh, if I had to say a god that I pray to is Watanatanka, the great spirit in the sky, the great mystery, uh, Native American yep. um, religion. The buffalo. Uh, symbolism. Think of white. Maybe we think of something else. Uh, it's it's a Native American. Or religion yeah. and stuff like that, uh, surrounded by the Sioux, the Sioux tribes and stuff like that. But regardless of the point, um, when it comes to protection, for some reason, the fights that me and my wife pick, especially our paranormal team, um, with entities that we come in contact with, the amount of protection we tell entities to not follow us, it doesn't matter to some of them, um, especially the dark ones who seem to come after us all the time. So when we protect our home, uh, it's the highest level of protection. Um, yes. salt we regularly salt the house all the way around uh, we have enough crystals to probably sell our own um <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, my wife puts ruins because she also uh bleeds heavily into the ruins and their protection level stuff like that all from every doorway and behind our television and our cell phones because entities can travel through electronic ways so um the tip about putting a room behind your your tv was actually she saw through tiktok another psychic some give her the tip saying that some uh, paranormal shows that you might watch things can come through because time and space to entities doesn't exist so it doesn't matter if you're watching something that was reported five years ago the entity thinks it's now and it could travel through the tv ways to you if it sees fit but a protection ruin like yeah a protection ruin would essentially keep yourself protected from it. Um, But you're going to say something, Corey? Oh, no, you were talking about those bracelets. And the funny thing is, is is I still have a couple of them, but she had made me this certain one with like skulls on it. And every time I went to this one hospital, it would break every time. And we could never explain why or what was breaking it. But I, I wouldn't even touch it. It would just fall to pieces off my wrist. So that's interesting, Corey. So, do you know, uh, um, I do study demonology. And the funny thing is that what a lot of people don't realize is demons only they speak in they speak in in two languages. They speak by force and they speak by contract. That is it. And so um, I've seen I've seen that happen before. And when you when you the investigator, you the sensitive or you just the you know run of the mill human give weight to something that has importance and has protection and there is symbolism in it. There are definitely sometimes of very particular demonic presences or dark entities that that will break that. And what that does is it rattles us, right? It rattles us at our core. Someone breaks our cross on our necklace or if I get a scratch across my tattoo or you have your bracelet broken. It's sometimes um, the the dark energies are looking for vulnerability all the time. Right. Um, So that being said, I wonder I'm curious to know if. uh, you all experience this in investigating. This has been a common theme lately, and I really would love to hear what you guys experience. Where when I go into a private house or a private residence or any location, it often seems like the layman, you know, individuals who are, are not like us, who do not hunt, automatically go to, oh, this is a demonic presence, right? Um, do you guys see that a lot where people all of a sudden are like, this is something evil? Yes. Me, I would say that nine times out of 10, that is not the case. If I look no. at all the investigations or all of the residences, it's interesting how much Hollywood seems to have influenced 
our work. Now, there definitely are dark presences, but for the most part, I would say that most people think that that is what it is when really like I had, I had one, one spirit talk to me saying she really just wanted a nightlight in the hallway. I mean, it was like, (laughs) (laughs) but that bracelet being ripped off, I've seen, I've seen that before. And it's like, sometimes they will go for a vulnerability. Yeah. We never luckily experienced anything dark or, you know, sometimes a little bit ominous, but nothing that has scratched us, nothing that's kind of felt, you know, like it's trying to get us out or, anything like that. So, and we don't really enter people's homes at this point. So we just go to historic locations mostly, but yeah, people's homes, I think would be interesting just because it's a combination of who lives in the house too, that is contributing to that force or that energy. If it's negative, just have to kind of figure out what, what the people there, you know, what sort of day to day they have, or what sort of, I don't know what, what their personalities are like. But it's not just the energy that was there before them. It's the energy now that the people are that they're bringing in. Yes. Are they a negative person? Are they, you know, a dark person? That's, you know, just, I think a lot of our, our own, our own mental state can kind of bring things in. Yeah. I think that's where attachments come in big time too, right? Like oh, yeah. if you are someone who, who definitely is, you know, a negative person or constantly looking to like, I know. Okay. I don't know what's going to happen now if this is going to go public, but there's one ghost hunting team where there's one guy who does nothing but antagonize those, those things. Yep. <laughs> it's just poking the bear and poking the bear. That's how you get demons. So, you know yeah. what I, I will tell you in the beginning, cause I really didn't believe in it. I was the same way. And then stuff started happening. And what did I you just, learn, Corey? what did you, I learn? leveled way <laughs> down. Yeah, I leveled way because I was provoking the hell out of them too, and I had to stop. It was bad. Yeah, no, I I wouldn't be comfortable yelling at them, or if you're trying to communicate with them, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. It just wouldn't be a natural thing that I would do to a human person. So I probably wouldn't do that to a spirit either. So that was beautifully, Gina. That was very lovely. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess we could say we all we it's per, you guys have been doing it for years. I just started, but even so, we all learn as we go along, right? Oh, for sure. Yeah. All right. For um, any of what I say in, in the future of this episode to make any sense to uh, you guys, I think Oscar knows too. We've had this discussion before um, about my ability, um, oh, yeah. and it and he he knows because we've talked about it stuff like that. But um, to I guess everyone else. My ability is so singular and absolute. It is so rare. I doubt anyone has heard of it, um, especially even you two being psychic comedians for as long as you have. And I'll be surprised if you had to say that because I've talked to countless psychics, countless investigators, countless people have never heard of it except for one, one ever in my entire life. I am what they call a shadow walker. Hence why we named a team in that a shadow walker, spirit walker or psycho pump as she the woman I spoke to named Jane uh, put it, my ability is in my hands um, in a sense that I can feel the energy of the dead, um, the energy they give off to be here in our plane, um, the electromagnetic energy they absorb to touch, to they be heard, to be seen, that energy they create to absorb, I can also feel, but also I can take it away from them. Um and by a sense of pulling that energy into my hand and into my body and creating a filter process 
Um, that takes time. And then depending on entity, depending on the energy level, how long it takes to filter it, then I express the neutral energy out of my mouth like a breath. Um, that's basic, a basic form of what I can do. Um, so what I've learned to dif- differentiate um, for my hands is the type of entity that I'm dealing with. A left hand energy, um, the sensation almost feels like when your hand goes to sleep that um, tingling sensation. It doesn't feel like that, like it's going numb, but that's the best example I can give to anyone of what it feels like. Um, my left hand energy when I feel things is people, person, uh, a good spirit, essentially. My right hand, when it feels something, is something dark, evil, demonic. Um, when my right hand charges, I call it, that's a sensation. Um, be wary of what we're dealing with in a location is which I tell people that I'm with in an investigation. Um, and that's why I wear the uh, seal Solomon ring on my right hand because of the entities that I deal with. Um, and if you notice the specifics behind the King Solomon ring, then it would make sense of why I wear it on the right hand dealing with evil entities. Um, but my ability is, is only that. And if people ask, can you hear entities you talk to? Can you see them? No, I am left uh, blind and deaf to any entity that comes across from me hearing or talking to them. I can only feel the energy. Hence why I can find them and I can pull the energy if um, the entity causes problems. So most of the time, well, all the time, I only pull evil entities because they're the ones that can cause problems. I don't like taking people off the plane that want to be there and communicate and talk to you. So that's why I never really ever use my left hand unless to find somebody or feel around and tell you if somebody's there, a person. Now, how close in proximity do you have to be? Like, can you be, you know, I know that some people who feel things, you know, can be on their way there. They get some images or or do you have to be at the location to experience that when it manifests? At the location, in the room or within a good radius of of, of sight and stuff like that. Um, I've, I've, uh, we call it a remote viewed a couple of times and put myself there and I could still use the ability there. Um, so it's not like I, I, I literally have to see what I'm doing, but that's only one part of disability. The second part is that I can pull an entire area by putting my hand to the earth. If I put my hand to the earth or any base of a home, the wood or the floor, whatever like that, I can pull the entire house or I can pull the entire area. Uh, I pulled an entire building before I pulled an entire ranch before, um, about 20 acres. I don't know how you guess an acre, but a good radius of an area and whatever hand is to the ground is what energy is being pulled. So like, I'm not saying I'm pulling everybody uh, in a, in a location. I'm pulling all the dark entities versus anyone that's good left behind, Um, which makes me (laughs) almost like a weapon uh, in paranormal investigating. Cause anytime we deal with anything that's dark or evil like that, I can get rid of it before it causes any problems. And from the investigations that I've done in the past, I've proven that I can do that. Now, the problem is, is that I can't prove this to anyone. Me telling you this is just me telling you this. I can't physically prove it to you. The only way that I actually can, so far that we've tested, is putting an EMF detector to my hand as I'm doing a pull, and you see the light go off. So you see the EMF detecting the energy that's being pulled to my hand. Um, If I had to go sciency about it, I am a natural EMF detector and I can pull that electromagnetic energy into myself and then filter it. Uh, that's a scientific form of what I, I, I can say that I do. 
Um, other from that, that is my psychic ability. So when I say I go in a location and I don't have any fear, that's why it's because anything that would cause problems, I can get rid of. And I've come across some very dark, very powerful things um, that I qualify as sand and smoke. Smoke, your basic level of dark entity, evil person, not a big problem. It feels like smoke with my hands when I pull it. Sand, those are high level darker entities those those are harder to take because like like i said a sand consistently they're more coarse they're harder they cause problems um low level demons i think i'm coming in contact with those what they feel like uh they feel sand entities um but uh like i was saying that's the basis of my ability so um <laughs> you guys understand when i talk about things further on do this uh this round table so Oh, I'm so super where do they, right where now. Do they go afterwards? Like, so once you pull them out, where, where do, do you transfer them somewhere else or you just send them back to where they were? Like once you're done with the investigation, what happens? The second thing, um, I'm not killing them. I'm not taking them yeah. to take, they're basically taking the energy away. So yeah. uh, what I've seen before in the mind's eye is like, I take, if you can imagine a person and then I'm ripping off like the hair, skin, body part, everything like that off of them what's left is a blank mannequin that drifts back into whatever realm spirits are coming from and they kind of have to start over uh back to square one of gathering the energy to come back and talk and be there and stuff like that so exciting so i all right um so <laughs> sorry i dropped that bombshell in the middle of it but that's yeah. I had a, <laughs> the tattoo i have is also from the temple of solomon king solomon seal and it's on my left arm um so interesting very interesting to hear what your capabilities are mine are very similar um and uh i tend to be um i'm i'm a neutral i don't get afraid either ever actually um and we have a very similar uh way now what i i don't do is anything you know what i feel like i have actually had someone say you're kind of like a neutral warden so i kind of go and i'm like what is everybody doing around here what are you doing on the light side and what are you doing on the dark side and is everybody playing within the roles they're supposed to be playing um that's very interesting i would be very interested to further to have some further discussions about this because i've never met anybody else who's spoken similarly about what what my own personal abilities are it's very interesting that I have the sign from King Solomon's temple on my left arm. So very fascinating. Well, the theory, the theory, conversation. the theory behind the ring is that um, the story of King Solomon is that he trapped demons or jinn, depending on what religion you're talking about, in the ring. And he used them to help build his temple. That's a basis of his story. Now, my theory is that the King Solomon symbol in this ring that I have, it's almost an image. Oh, a copy of what he had not the actual ring if you could find it holy crap but um the energy that i pull i pull into my stuff and i take if i can focus that into the ring when i pull this energy i don't have to transfer and filter anymore i can entrap it here i can entrap it in the ring almost like a prison now that's just a theory. It's a theory that me and my other investigator, Mike, are playing around with um, that I could probably, instead of allowing these things to come back after I take them off the plane, I trap the energy that they can't come back. 
like the source of where they need to come back isn't trapped. So pretty much like back. freeing them, like freeing them from the location. Yes, and permanently making sure they can never come back again. That might the medium that used to be on our team. She believed that she could actually free people away from the location too. And we actually have a crazy story where she actually tried to get rid of what she thought was a demon from this mental hospital. And I don't, I thought she was dying. She literally fell on the floor. She lost her voice. Like it was kind of crazy where we had to drag her out of there. And then when we were leaving the location, the car went into neutral. It shut off. Like we were having some pretty crazy stuff that night. And she couldn't talk for like an hour after that. Like she had no voice. You could see her lips moving, but she couldn't talk. So I don't know. I don't know how you guys feel about it. If, if it's if what I'm saying is crazy, but what I saw was pretty crazy. I know that. <laughs> I'm pretty sure none of us think that anything that we're talking about is crazy no. at no. all. No, <laughs> You're good. Yeah. yeah, the strangest place where we had the most activity was um, in a, actually a local museum. We went there and they had an old train car. So it started right from the get-go. We went and we were just taking pictures while the, the phones were pixelating and things like that, the things that never happened to a phone. And then inside, um, we had some activity there. But the most we had was in some uh, World War One and Two trenches that they had out back. I mean, that area was never active war-wise, but it was just, you know, that come, kind of brings the question of when you're reenacting something or recreating it, you know, are you attracting that sort of energy? Like, you know, they say also like the Titanic exhibit, when it travels around, people see ghosts on the staircase or you know, things like that. But we had equipment failures like you wouldn't believe. Like we thought, okay, we watched this on TV, but we actually had those things happen. The digital recorder died. The camera died. We are just, you know, trying to, it was sort of frustrating because the equipment kept going in and out. But definitely there was, there was something there, but just an interesting, interesting thought about what everybody thinks about, you know, recreating or if there's objects around that can bring things that weren't there before. But well, that was a uh, topic I see you're trying to bring into the conversation. Um, uh, oh, question before, I, before we switch over, yeah. I wanted to tell you, um, did you ever speak to a native elder about what you can feel with your hands and your ability? It's on my to-do list. Believe me. And I'm trying okay, to find cause, one. Because <laughs> after we had spoke, I had looked, I looked up a bunch of things on it and it sounds like native uh, energy work that they would do with their hands. Well, natives, um, certain tribes, I, I, I found the information on it. Because believe me, if you try to find any information on the Shadow Walker thing or my ability, it, it, it's almost impossible because there's, so, there's not a lot of us. There's not a lot of uh, psychics or even have this kind of ability to begin with. So it's not recorded. It's not cataloged. It's not stole, stories told behind it. Because, so, and there's no history with it because it's so rare. Um, and that connection is unstable. Can you guys hear me? Yeah, you you uh, went out for like a, a half a second. Okay, <laughs> it's only internet connection unstable. Anyway, whatever. Um, yeah, I was saying that it's so rare that um, it's hard to find any information on. But what I did find with Native American is they called it a spirit walker. Um, a spirit walker is someone who technically they consider a psychic on their in their tribe who would forewarn them of any future tribes uh, or other warring tribes would attack. So he was almost like the uh, their. Their, their their alarm system in a sense when it comes to protecting the tribe and stuff like that. But yeah, spirit walker is what I heard from a Native American lore and stuff like that. But to come find out, I actually have now all my life, I thought it was 100% Mexican, my entire life until my mom 
tells me you're not 100% Mexican. And this is, I'm 30, mind you. I'm 34 now. So it's about four years. I'm 30 years old. She tells me, well, you're not 100% Mexican. I'm like, what are you talking about? It's like, you are about 10% Native American. I'm like, what? She goes, she goes, yeah, your great grandfather was a Native American man, 100%. I'm like, oh, okay. That's nice to, nice to tell me that now when I'm near mid adulthood. Um, but yeah, uh, the tribe that my great grandfather was part of was the Chitao tribe. Um, which was central east coast, or not say east, but like central east area, like I guess Louisiana up to Massachusetts and the Great Lakes area in that area. Uh, one of the tribes that was part of the east coast, um, areas, but yeah, the Chital tribe is essentially where my my bloodline comes from, uh, mostly Hispanic and you know, uh, Aztec and Spanish and stuff like that, if you know Mexican history, but. Um, yeah, the Native American part would be the Chitao. But believe me, I have tried finding a Native American elder or someone within the area where I live, because there's a lot of Native American presence here uh, in North Carolina, yeah. um, to discuss this with. And maybe he's heard a story passed down that they didn't share with the white man, essentially, and it got stuck in history books. But amongst the Native tribes, there is a strong history with um, disability. So, I mean, that's a possibility that I've been working around with. And believe me, if <laughs> you can point me in the direction of one, I'd, I'd gladly go to go talk to him. Oh, I mean, I'll, I'll gladly help out and look. Yeah. I don't know if my old spirit medium would know anything, but she's actually Native American, too. And she talks about a lot of stuff that you talk about to the T. I don't think she called it Shadow Walker. She called it something else. But it's all along the same guidelines as what you're going along as. Yeah. Anyway, um, does uh, that question I think um, Gina was we're getting to uh, does recreating historical sites or um, in exhibits or time period like maybe wearing period piece clothing um, recreate or help spirits communicate because they think they're in that time, which is is a, it's a true. Uh, almost a statement because if you know about spirits in my my theory when it comes to ghosts and demons stuff like that they live on the fourth dimension um essentially where time and space doesn't exist so and it kind of it kind of correlates when you think about ghosts of how they sometimes especially residual spirits they don't know that they're dead and they keep repeating their time period over and over again versus an intelligent spirit who knows they're dead and will communicate with you um but recreating a historical event or even dressing in a period of clothing to the spirits that are there. Have you ever, I know, I don't know any of you ever tried or at least seen any kind of evidence of this actually working? I don't think that I have. Mm-mm. We've yeah, never tried nothing like that. Our, our closest was, was being in those trenches. Cause then we looked back at the pictures and we realized as we were ducking down with our radios and with our equipment, we sort of looked like, we looked a little bit like soldiers, like we had backpacks, we had, you know, so mm-hmm. moving through that area, we, we thought, well, maybe we're appearing like we're looking like, you know, like we're sort of reenacting a certain or a specific time. So we thought maybe that kind of kicked up the energy a little bit, because when look, looking back at the pictures, we thought, hey, wait a second, we're sort of ducking down, we've got our gear in our hands, well, it might have looked like it was guns or, you know, walkie talkies or whatever, but at, that was the most active and draining place. Afterwards, we we're just so tired and so drained from being there that it was it was kind of an interesting spot. I mean, I would love to go back there again. It's really close by where we live. But yeah, it was definitely something there. 
I see an experiment coming because I'm thinking, hmm, next yeah. time I go up to Northern State Hospital, I'm going to pretend I'm a patient. Let's see what happens. <laughs> I know some yeah. people are thinking the same damn thing. So, and not yet, but I'm going to try it. <laughs> see what my happens. favorite, my favorite places to go are the mental hospitals. So I'll, that's on my to-do list now. <laughs> apparently to a lot of people, we already all fit right in anyway. Half of us have been burned at the stake a few hundred years ago. It's fine. So, yeah. yeah. That's cool, Gina. I think I'm. I think I'm going to try that. Yeah, I, think, I think if anything, if anything, it helps uh, you as the investigator connect with the uh-huh. energy there. Maybe not for their sake, but for your sake and connecting with them. Because they yeah. might maybe maybe that'll make them confused if you show up in period clothing and then they're communicating with you, thinking, "Oh, this is my time," and then they see you take off everything, right, and pull out this touchscreen phone. That's gonna yes. freak out. <laughs> I think we all no, should that do makes sense. Film it. Each one of us in this discussion <laughs> this and film it and see what happens. If we notice any sort of pattern shift, it'd be great. That would be cool. Yeah. Or proper- people talk about also like playing your like music of the time. Like if you go to a place, you know, twenties oh, yeah. music or thirties, whatever was at the time, you know, just kind of recreating that whole atmosphere just to see well, see if they respond. Actually, now I remember we actually just did this recently and it just dawned on me that you said this. My buddy bought my buddy's been doing a lot of photo shoots with like masks and stuff. And he recently just bought a straight jacket. And me and this girl actually put it on and did a shoot on a bed in a mental hospital. And that's the day we got the most activity. It oh, just wow. dawned on me now. It just field dawned. Trip. I like Yeah, field trip. <laughs> actually it's getting demolished in November. So field trip quick. <laughs> What are you guys doing next weekend? We should totally meet somewhere in the middle of the country and see what happens. (laughs) A place that's really been on my list is uh, Brushy Mountain Penitentiary. I want to go there really Mm. bad. Prisons. Those places are haunted all the time. Yeah. Is there there anywhere that you guys don't want to go? Places where you you really are like, nah, I'm good. I find a place that actually with everything. A place that I know would be challenging, well, even for me, uh, is this um, castle that's also a hotel in Russia that supposedly has a, a pit. It's somewhere in the in the basement area that goes so far deep they call it the pit to hell. Oh, yeah. I think I've heard of that. I've heard yeah. of that. I think, yeah. yeah. I think it was the I think it was the Huska Castle. That's yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, the Huska okay. Castle. Yeah, it has the it has the trap door, and you go. Yeah, and it's supposed to be the portal, like where, where things come out, and then they were, you know. It was sealed for a long time because they thought yeah. that that was like the vortex of activity there. That, yeah, I feel that like would be a, a creepy one. <laughs> right. I don't think I can handle the September 11th site. Oh. I don't think I can no. handle the Trade Center site. I think that uh, I think that uh, that would be a very challenging thing for a medium. Mm-hmm. My, I mean, I'm not even a medium, and I my buddy is a firefighter, and he wanted to go, and I was like, because he went, I'm like, nope, not doing it. Yeah. Auschwitz, I think, would be challenging for someone that has my sensitivity levels um, to that. Those, yeah, those, some places are just have yeah. to be off limits to like, yeah, deep sadness and things like some, that. Some places are just no. sacred ground. Yeah. You just don't go there for paranormal investigations. That's how I feel personally. Like, if it's too much of a tragic place or not enough time has passed by, you just need to 
leave her, leave her alone. <laughs> more, maybe more just to explore it and not investigate it at that exactly. point. Like I would be coming more from a historic point. Like if I was looking at a place, but I, I maybe wouldn't whip out the gear or ask anything to come forward or. Like I, I want to go to, I want to go to Chernobyl, but I don't want to do an investigation. I just want to take pictures and, yeah. and actually see it all. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. I guess yeah. that is a, uh, a lead way, a segue into uh, the next topic. Um, uh, one more thing on the history thing. Um, I find that speaking the language uh, uh, surrounding the area actually helps a lot too. And as you play the music um, with the tribes, the Chital tribes that are around the area that we investigate, because uh, we do go into Croatoan, it's not the Chital, sorry, scratch it. The Croatoan tribes uh, around this area, because we do go into Croatoan National Forest to investigate now and then. Um, we find that speaking the Croatoan language um of greetings of hello how are you stuff like that actually allows them to be more friendly with us instead of staying on the outskirts um there's a saying um of a, a hello how are you that um my one of my investigators mikey says and sometimes we get a response of them saying it back to him uh out in the woods which is pretty interesting to hear when you're only one out there um but yeah i find that playing music or even speaking a language to the area uh, actually helps out with them responding. Um, but I guess the follow up with the thing is that you guys are starting to talk about is what as investigators do, or can we do, or can we start spreading information on to help bring back the ethics to paranormal investigating? Oh, I got a good one for that one. So I, and Gina kind of touched on that before where I, I tell people, um, you know, what, when someone hears that you're a medium or a paranormal investigator, you know, we all know there's this excitement and they're like, what? That's so cool. Tell me everything. I think that uh, my perspective about bringing back ethics um, to this is when, when someone says, Hey, I really, you know, want to connect with so-and-so who passed away. I, I want people to understand. Um, and I, I know what I know. And I know this deeply that individuals who pass away also are grieving when an individual passes away, um, if they know that they are gone, there is, and, and you know, I, I don't know where they go. I don't, I don't have the answers to that, but they're also trying to move into another realm, another dimension. And I, I tell the living that, you know, when you hold so tight, I want you to think about what it feels like for your own grief. I try to um, human rehumanize uh, spirits and and um, entities, um, and I think that by rehumanizing them to the living, um, it can help bring back the the ethical piece of this. Um, nothing infuriates me more when I hear or see desecration of cemeteries and um, desecration of of these amazing active places. And so, I really think the only way we can do that is to human rehumanize the dead. Um, with a, uh, the level of conversation about respect. That's actually a pet peeve of mine. Um, you know, it's, they're not, they're not uh, entities that are meant for circus parlor tricks and um, for, you know, laughs and hosted seances and things like that. I think it's incredibly disrespectful to the other side that we all at some point will be in. Um, yeah. So the rehumanizing of of the dead. Well, you actually you actually touched with that because we actually came across an abandoned mausoleum that we explore we explored 
Come to find out the family who owned it died. But long story short is punk kids went in there and started breaking apart caskets and revealing people's bodies. And we actually came together and actually called the local authorities and had to like pretty much turn ourselves in and turn everybody else in so they would do something about it. Because like you said, respect. It was the pictures. You'd cry. What people are doing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think too, going into locations, you just have to be really, really respectful because there was people there beforehand, whether it used to be a house or it used to be a prison. I think you just have to go in with the mindset that you are going somewhere really unique and really special. And you're just, and it's kind of an honor to be there, whether it was a, you know, a mental health facility or it was a jail or it was a, you know, somebody's home before that. If it's a historic place, you know, you just want to, try to preserve that and just to kind of go in with some sort of reverence, like, you know, just go make sure you're going in with a lot of respect and for the location itself and the, and the people who used to be there beforehand. No, right. Yeah. You have to go in with the utmost respect mm-hmm. because yeah. if they're going to be confused on why am I dead? What's happening now? Somebody going in there and just screaming for, a spirit to show themselves is just going to further confuse. Mm-hmm. That hurt to hear that. You're right. Yeah. Wow. Like, you're not going to do that with somebody who was in a car accident. No. You're not going to scream at them to further confuse them. You have to come at them the way you would want to be spoken to if you mm-hmm. were just as confused. Yeah. And there's just not- some places that are off limits to me. In my mind, there's just some places that you wouldn't go and paranormal investigate for any reason. So I think the danger out there is that there's a lot of people who are very casual and very um, new to paranormal investigations. So they don't really think about the common sense side, but there's, you know, just places you wouldn't places you wouldn't go. Like for example, up here, you know, we're going to a lot of the residential schools and we're for the first time, I don't know if people in the States have heard about this, but a lot of mass graves of little kids. That would yep. definitely be a place where, as a historian, I would visit out of respect, but I would never whip out my paranormal gear, go in there and ghost hunt. That is just not the time or place. To me, that's, that's a like, spot, and it's and it's not my story. So I want to know about the story, but that is not my place to go in there. It's you know, it's a sacred place for the First Nations to go there, and paranormal investigation has no room in that realm. I wish people would understand something, the the living. And I, you know, I just, some spirits are so incredibly alone. They have called me back. Some spirits are so incredibly alone. And, and we don't know why that is, that they, they call you back for company. And that is, as a medium, the most heartbreaking thing to go to an investigation come home three and a half hours away and not be able to sleep because I keep thinking about something that said, please don't leave. And so I don't, and you know, if we talk about transcending across dimensions and time and things like that, the one thing that stays constant are emotions. And I've picked up on that since I was a child as a medium. And so these, these entities, these spirits do seem to the one thing that they keep is is their emotional state and it it can be heartbreaking to hear something cry because something has scared them 
you know, and and when we see this this just complete barrel through of ethical boundaries, they are actually still hurting these spirits. It is causing them stress and pain and and sometimes it exacerbates the grief that they had when they were living and it's very 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 heavy and very sad and this is when this is actually why some mediums lose their mind it's really hard to detach from that level of uh, emotion from from a place where it's been hugely disrespected you know especially when you made that type of connection yeah yeah, very, yeah, that's how, very challenging. That's how it was in our our investigation that we did with the, the twins who committed suicide. We didn't know anything going in, which made me feel terrible once we finally learned what, what it, the story behind it all. And this was a recent thing. I think it happened in either 2016 or 2018. Mm-hmm. Um, and my fiance had felt all of their feelings, but we didn't know really what was going on in that moment. So after we learned the story, she's, she had a click in her head, like, this is why. It's because she used to feel all of those things, the OCD they felt, the, the separation anxiety, the general anxiety. So then she wasn't scared anymore because during that investigation, she was really scared. But once she learned why she was feeling those emotions, that fear went away and it was this connection with them. So now when we go back, it'll be there to apologize for not knowing beforehand and to do it the right way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, when I, oh, when, when I stopped, like I said, like I told Sharice before, when I first got into, uh, when I first got into the paranormal investigating, I used to provoke a lot. And when I stopped, we actually got more, we had more better investigations. There were better results. And like you said, the whole respect thing, you respect them more, you get more talkative spirits, whether they're bad or good all the time. And that's, that's a good thing to tell people. Like you said, number one is, is respect. And, and these places, no matter if it's someone's house or if it's a mental hospital that had over 4,000 patients. Well, do you all realize it, we are witnesses for the dead is what we are actually. Yep. We are witnesses yep. for the dead. And that is an absolute privilege not everybody is capable of or or will go forward with being a witness for for spirits um and so it it's it's just a house that deserves the utmost respect and the non-provoking i'm glad that you shifted Corey, from that from that yeah. of provocation provocation to to you know more of a peaceful um curiosity so yeah yeah and i think a lot of it is just that we're trying to still tell their story you know if there's something that needs to be filled in where we're there to kind of fill in the blanks. So I think that's where, um, when we go in, that's kind of our goal. You know, we learn about the location itself, which is always fascinating. And if there's somebody there that wants to make themselves known, well, you know, then in that case, it sometimes puts us on a, on an investigating investigation and research path to research about a particular person. And we've actually been able to find things like, we were able to find a document like in an old book that we purchased and we were able to donate to the archives, but we had to be kind of in the right place at the right time to sort of get a feel for looking into a specific person that lived in this house. And so, yeah, just those types of things. I think you just are there to kind of fill in the blanks and to, 
put, you know, more information out there about who was, who was around. Right. The research fascinates me as much as it fascinates you. That first hospital that we did, the one, the first one I investigated, we actually did so much research. We found a patient who was still alive and who wrote a book on the place. And we tried to interview her, but she did, she wasn't really about it, but we found a lot of uh, good research on the place. And it was one of my favorite places. Yeah. See, that always is so fascinating when you can find out more and maybe something that nobody else has found out. So that's kind of cool. You know, the, the apparitions and the ghosts are fun, but the actual facts are also just as exciting for us anyway. She was 93 years old, still alive. She actually met her husband in the hospital. They were patients wow. together. And uh, yeah, it was a real big backstory. She wrote a book. You can actually buy it on Amazon. Cool, cool. Now, what was going to make my paranormal team an almost an enemy to majority of paranormal teams that are out there to seeking fame, which I uh, guess being in ethics to being a paranormal investigator is not trying to seek fame, not trying to be the next ghost adventurers or next ghost hunters or that particular kind of show to get your fame out of that. Hensley posting videos and stuff like that, only seeking to investigate, to catch evidence is the only reason behind most investigators. And hence why bringing ethics back to it, as we've all discussed and said, the respect of dealing with the paranormal and dealing with actual people, not exploring them for their car, you know, carnival tricks and stuff like that, that are actually people who died, who just want to get their message across. But you have paranormal investigators that are seeking fame are only out there to catch evidence. Oh, did you see this move or did you see the spirit thing or like that? That's, that's the basis of what, and I'm glad all you guys give your answers. And what I said is that my paranormal team almost will be an enemy to majority of those paranormal teams out there is because what my paranormal team, I'm not saying that any of you guys don't do this. I'm just saying this is what mine do or mine does is every location we go to after we leave will be less haunted because I will either take out everything dark out of the room. And then I other psychics who are actually very my wife Megan and actually our, our lead psychic Mike are actually good at help sorry are actually uh, good at helping spirits cross over those who want to cross over who are stuck who have a problem who can't they need a message to get across we can help those ones cross over so they're no longer at that location. I'm hearing talking. Is that somebody? Not on my end. Um, I'm. Uh, I'm not going to be surprised to hear EVPs whenever I hear, listen to this back. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, but yeah, I was saying that my team, what we seek out and to do is not catch evidence. Granted, if we catch anything, that's nice. But our main prerogative, our main mission is to go into a location that has a high level of entities, find out why they're there, help those who can cross over, deal with the dark ones that may be causing problems to people who go to the location or even keeping some of the regular human spirits behind as prisoners or they're feeding off them. Uh, we've had locations before that we've gone to that have had three entities, dark entities. They weren't demons. They're just bad people. Um, almost causing intimidation to the regular spirits at the location um, and keep almost like causing them fear and then feeding off that fear. Um, if you can imagine being stuck at a location or a building and having three people just consistently going around, beating you up, calling you names, intimidating you, and you can't do anything about it, nor can you escape. Um, that kind of a location we've been to before. And luckily, with my ability, I was able to get rid of those three individuals and allow a lot of regular people to cross over who wanted to. Um, and then we tried to seal the building afterwards so nothing could get in or get out or nothing could get in dark wise ever again. Um, 
So that is almost like the same prerogative is what my team is about when it comes to investigating is a sense that we go to try to make place less haunted, uh, which yeah, cleansing places uh, in a basic, essentially. Yeah. Which yeah. is like, is a big, almost big insult to this paranormal teams that are look out there who just want to gain evidence and stuff like that. Cause we're going to the location and then they're going to go to it. And there's like nothing there. No spirit wants to talk to them because there's no one there to talk to. And those who are left behind know that, okay, this person's only out to, you know, exploit me. I'm not going to communicate with them. Um, so, and that, uh, that main, I guess, mission statement comes mainly from Lorraine Warren, um, who I think she said that, you know, people have doctors when they go to sick, they can call the police when something's wrong with their home or someone's, you know, robbing them or a crime, but they have no one to go to when it comes to dealing with the paranormal. And that's what we're for her and, and Ed Lorraine Warren. That's what they're for is to help people within paranormal um, and dealing with that. And that's the kind of statement that my team follows behind the sense of helping people or helping locations um, deal with the paranormal and help them understand that we can help you, um, as a person who has their home and said it's haunted, they have a problem or something. We can help you understand why this person is still here. We can help them cross over if they want to cross over. Uh, I remember my team had actually had an investigation he did with a woman who wanted to get rid of the spirit that was in her home. And that wasn't so easy because this person wasn't causing problems. She just wanted to stay there. Uh, and she wanted to stay there because she was worried about her, uh, uh, her garden wasn't going to be taken care of. This older spirit woman who wanted to stay there because she worried about her garden taking care of. So they made a, a compromise, a deal, essentially, with the residents living in her home that she passed away in, that if they built a garden and took care of it, that she wouldn't haunt them. She would move on. And they did. They built a garden. They put. They took care of it. And they didn't deal with anything paranormal after that. So oh, it's almost yeah. like. Stuff like that. Just, it was yeah. like, yeah, it was making a compromise and understanding that you can't just get rid of some of these entities. They're actually there. Now, the people, human entities, good spirits. Yeah. But dealing with dark things, that's essentially why I come in contact and getting rid of them because they don't deserve to be there because they're only there to solve out pain and cause and feed off people's fear. Um, but I don't know if you guys follow by the same statements as well. Like you are trying in every investigation you do to help those who are there to find out why they're stuck there and possibly help them move on. Something just got knocked over on my dresser. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And we know we've gone to locations multiple times and you don't always experience something, you know, every each and every time either. So we've had to go, you know, we've gone to places, nothing's happened. You go again and then you get some activity then the other times, you know, maybe you don't get voices, but you could catch something, you know, in your pictures. So sometimes it it warrants a few visits to the same location. If it's especially if it's local, we can go, you know, two, three, four times and have a different experience each and every time. So, you know, do do they just want to talk to you at certain times or does do other things have to be just right, you know, in the world for them to kind of come, be able to come forward? I never essentially had that problem. And I, I, I chalk it to a theory that because every member of my team is a psychic or has psychic abilities and every investigation we've gone to activity is always high. We never had a night where it's quiet ever um, kind of wish we did sometimes. Um, but other from that, no, it's like, we're always making contact. There's always somebody to talk to. Sometimes there's always somebody new 
um, or somebody the same one sometimes. But a few places we've gone to in the past, we try to help those who want to cross over, cross over um, and get rid of the dark ones that are causing problems. But um, I think a few times we've gone to the same place, um, this place in in uh, Swansboro uh, called the Octagon House. Um, and outside the Octagon House is a, um, a forest area that we investigated several times. Um, and gone back to the same location over and over again and help them cross over who needed to be and so forth like that. But there's a few spirits who wanted to stay behind because they saw this as their home and they didn't want to go anywhere else. Um, especially a little girl uh, named Kate. Um, she, over the Necrophonics app, made her voice known. She always introduces herself. But she likes new people. She always talks. She says, hey, how you doing? Stuff like that. And she's very loving, and very kind. She's almost like a, a guide for the, the land in the area. And we find that she always wants to stay there. And we've asked her numerous times, do you want to leave? Do you want to cross over? She always gives a no. She says, I like it here. I like staying here. Like she always over the ghost tomb and different things like that. Um, And then the messages that um, our psychics get um, saying that she likes it here. She has a reason to stay here. She finds purpose here. A lot of different reasons. But um, in cases like that, we find that that sometimes some spirits just want to stay because they don't know anything else or they, they they feel like this is their home and they don't need to leave. And it makes sense. Cause if you liked a place, you know, while you were living, you probably like it after you're gone. So. <laughs> so let me, let me ask you this. When you, when you have let spirits pass over, have you ever had any negative? Like I told you that medium, she lost her voice, stuff, crazy stuff. Have you ever experienced something like that? No, because I don't let them get that close to do something to anybody, uh, which makes me, I guess, like I said, the unique thing to any paranormal investigation team, because I stop them from happening. Um, and only once ever did anything get past me to not to hurt somebody, but they knocked a digital recorder out of one of the investigators' hands. Um and it only happened because I was focused on something else. So it was more than one entity at once. But I think after that happened, I got fed up with it. And I think I just put my hand to the earth and pulled the entire area, uh, which made the woods lighter, if that makes any sense. It was like it was dark. You could hardly see. And then after I did that pull, you could see without using a flashlight in the woods. It's almost like a, a veil was lifted through the entire area. Um and then we didn't do anything dark after that. And we basically had a good communications with the people there um, and stuff like that. But uh, I have yet to deal with a demonic case or deal with a mid to high level demon, or at least the ones that can possess people, which is kind of like a final test. Um, I don't know if you get investigations or if any of you have ever dealt with anything on that level yet, but um, I yet to deal with it. And I think it's the ultimate test for my ability to see if in my, th- oh, well, I guess my theory, but my, my ultimate test to see if what disability can do against someone who's possessed. Um, if I can pull the demon out of them, or if I can weaken the demon enough that someone can go snap their fingers in a, in a, in a uh, exorcism and it'd be gone. Yeah. I mean, the worst I've seen was we were at a cemetery, but back to where I was telling Sharice about provoking, I was provoking the spirit and we had a female who was with us investigating and she looked down and she had a scratch probably about three inches long that was bleeding on her arm and nobody touched her. But that was to do with all the provoking of the spirit at this grave site in the cemetery at like two o'clock in the morning. So that'll do it. (laughs) (laughs) 
what fell off your shelf, uh, Sharice? I have no idea. Have you guys been watching me watch over there? I even pulled out my yeah. camera. Yeah. If I yeah, anything I thought. So it's now here. Oh, this is actually perfect for people watching. So what I'm trying to figure out is did a couple of leaves fall off of my plant? Because, right, we have to kind of go with the logical. Logical yeah. first. Yeah. I don't think that's what it was. And I, I'm looking and I don't know what fell over on my dresser. Um, I'm not sure. So I took a bunch of pictures. I kept seeing you frankly look over there, though. Wouldn't it be awesome yeah. if I actually got something on camera during this? Um, that would be cool. Yeah, very interesting. So I don't know. It was something soft that hit hit uh, or tipped over on my dresser. And I'm sitting here trying to figure out what that was. So um, I don't know. I'll let you guys know. <laughs> I live in a place that has activity on a regular basis. So I hear things that yeah, you can usually, So, yeah. The interesting thing, though, is I don't allow anything in my in my bedroom, actually. Um, and so I have an agreement with with spirits because otherwise I can't sleep. I used to get woken up out of a dead sleep. I would hear like conversation. I'm like, listen, I got to go to sleep. And so I have an agreement. Hey, you hear that? Is, yeah, I heard that. She answered you. I did, too. Yeah, I heard so, something, too. Someone, a woman answered you. She said yes to your what your statement. You said you have an agreement. She said yes. Well, yeah, like you was, heard a whisper, right? Yeah, yeah. right after. Yeah, that's what I heard too. Her name is Lorraine. Not Lorraine Warren. <laughs> no, not Lorraine uh, Warren. Would that be amazing? No, yeah. Lorraine. Lorraine has been in here. Lorraine is the newest. This is freaking crazy. Lorraine is the newest spirit um, who's been hanging around my room, and Lorraine and I have an understanding. She's very excited that there's basically it's like being in a foreign country and you find someone that speaks your language, and you're like. Oh my gosh, I have to talk to you. So that's funny because she has been the one who who still tries to talk to me in the middle of the day night. So that's really interesting. And I actually on my Instagram page have a recording of her coming through my spirit box. So that is amazing that you guys just picked up on that during your Yeah, I heard it clear as day. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Lorraine. Remember, I'm not sleeping yet, but when I'm sleeping, I need to sleep. So welcome to the land of a crazy medium. We don't sleep. <laughs> yeah, that was amazing. That was awesome. Um, anyway, so uh, yeah, so I going back to um, like the uh, going in and, and removing like the haunt, remo- basically, basically making a place less haunted. Um I think that the only individuals who think that that is like, you know, that you're the enemy of other paranormal uh, teams are people who work from an ego base. So, you know, if I mean, really, if if there are, in fact, other teams that go in after you do and you you make it less haunted and they're butthurt about that. Well, maybe there's a little bit too much ego in their investigation. You know, I mean. I'd be sometimes I'm happier than hell to find no evidence of anything in a place, you know? So I just think that like a lot of this competition, you being looked at sometimes as like the enemy of the the run of the mill fame and fortune seekers, that's their ego problem. And then honestly, I question the legitimacy of groups like that. I really do. I question the integrity of groups that are just really looking for fame and fortune and things like that. And I know I'm not going to make many friends by saying that stuff because we know who runs the, uh, the entertainment part of this, but if they yeah. have a problem with that, that's their ego. And 
I think it's awesome. Keep doing what you're doing, you know? And so I think there's a lot so, of like amateur groups out there who yeah. kind of want to be, you know, ghost hunting, but they're just you know, going through the motions. There's a big difference going through the motions and really investing yourself in doing this because doing this for real is exhausting. So exhausting. <laughs> it is. So exhausting. And I also feel like um, this might be a little bit too mystic for, for the, actually we've talked about it, whatever. So we just heard, a, we just heard something come over our speaker. We, anyway, we heard yeah. whispering. So we did. So <laughs> it's Lorraine. So I wonder if, um, I also feel like these things are some kind of calling that all of us tend to have. Like, you know, we, why are we drawn to these, these callings that we have to investigate, to research, to, I sound like the X-Files right now to find the truth. The truth is out there, but I feel like there's a respect level that we, if we have been given this seeking or this divine gift or whatever you want to call it, I feel like there's a responsibility that we have to, to do it. Um, and it's unfortunate that there is so much competition, you know, that, oh, well, he sucked out all the ghosts. Thanks a lot, Isaac. You sucked everybody out of here, you know, but I, mean, I, I think, think too, cool. the one common thing I found with, with people who do this for real, if you want to call it that is, um, we were interested in it from a very young age. Yeah. Like that seems to be a common theme. Like you didn't know what it was. You didn't know that it was paranormal activity, but you saw something, you heard something and you had repeated experiences enough to where you thought, Hey, I'm kind of interested in ghosts. And you know, you're like eight, nine, 10 years old, but it sort of carries with you. And that's kind of what happened with my sister and I, as we sort of, we went on a ghost walk like years ago, maybe about four or five years ago. And, we thought, hey, you know what? We really, we really still love this stuff. So let's start kind of digging into places. And then, as the more you dig into places, the more, the more you find. In a way, we're like the, okay, that's we're like the kids that were never cool that grew up and now we're cool. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's well. That's where the exploring plays a big part in it too, because you can you don't think you're going to find spirit activity in certain places and then you end up finding it so it, it kind of goes hand in hand like i don't always go looking for the paranormal activity but i always have my spirit equipment with me i always have spirit boxes and everything ready to go mm-hmm. i guess it's a good uh another topic question uh what essentially i know most of us spirit ex- experienced stuff since we were kids but what wanted you to get sorry what made you or what experience wanted you to get into paranormal investigating to begin with I think with us, it just started with a project. We just wanted to share um, during the pandemic, we did a project where we did a haunted calendar. Like we, we did all the locations that we visited because we couldn't travel at the time. So once we started kind of digging into that and we saw that people responded to it, we thought, well, this is something we, we can actually share. So we started looking at more locations. We started going more places and, you know, we set up a website and social media and, all the rest of it. So it just kind of, it was inspiring to get feedback and to meet other people who are in, in, into paranormal investigations, into history and kind of just wanting to share it. Cause there is, I think there's just more to the story, you know, and we, there's a lot we don't know. So that's always just the questions about finding, you know, what, what is out there and, and seeing if people have this, you know, similar, like a lot of paranormal investigators might not want to share those things, but we want to share and we want to learn too. So we're, you know, we're fairly new. We haven't been doing it for like 10, 15 years, but you know, you want to learn as well from other people and see what they've got to say in their, 
there's some really, you know, good stuff happening out there. So we've certainly enjoyed our time. Yeah, I think I, you learn something new every day. Yeah. Go ahead, Oscar. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so I had a paranormal event that happened when I was really young and that's what really set me on this path. And like we had all said earlier, this was kind of something that was uncool at first. And now it's a, it's a really cool thing. So once I found out that people were talking about it through podcasts and I was seeing people post on social media, I decided to dive into it further and actually be able to talk about it is what felt great about doing this. Because when I was younger, like my father had passed away when I was seven. And I remember making this call, just making a call out to the ether, like anything just let me see my dad one more time. And that's when something dark came through and it kind of messed with me as a kid. And then that sent me on a path of what is this? How do I get rid of it? What else is out there? And it just grew from there. Yeah. I, I got involved um, because I got tired of being alone you know, when you are the weird kid, it, you know, I got, I got involved in this for the validation, you know? Um, so I, I, I would have some kind of science based evidence to back up what I knew was my truth, but what I couldn't really tell anybody else, you know, I didn't come out of the crazy closet until later in my life because I was embarrassed, you know, you, especially as a young kid, uh, knowing what you experience in your bedroom and, and with spirits and entities and things like that. And then you get shut down as you grow, right? You get older and you're like, no, no, that's not what you heard. No, that you didn't hear that. No, there's nothing in your room. It was very isolating as that kid. And so this has been something that has, I don't use it for validation anymore because now I'm comfortable with, with, with my abilities. Um, but it was, it was crucial. I would even, dare I even say to surviving, you know, my, my early twenties and, and being so different. Um, so the science research, the paranormal and true investigation has been very, very uh, validating, you know, for, for being a different type of a human being, you know, and the community is really awesome. As long as we don't mess with the egoic ones, it's super great. Oh yeah. We, we find it really inspiring to keep going because it's, you know, there's a lot of good feedback and you get to be on podcasts and you can, you know, kind of share. And it's, it's exciting when you hear other people experiencing the same things. Or I remember getting our very first EVP, which, which wasn't that long ago. So it was about, I would say eight months ago, we're at a haunted shipyard. And when you hear that thing come through, you're like, Oh my gosh want to hear that again because you know there's something out there i kind of want people to stop being assholes to each other in like the mortal realm and you know it seems like compassion in this mortal realm doesn't work anymore but maybe if people start realizing that hey this actually isn't all there is and you might want to put yourself in check a little bit i also feel like part of part of what we do is to say you better wake up this isn't all there is and so um I, you know, it's, that's also, that's also a gift and a responsibility that we have. I truly feel that um, uh, it, it really is something that wakes up humans. And the more evidence we have about these, these things, it, it shakes up people's existence. We've all seen it when someone wants to tag along on a hunt and they're like, no, I don't yeah. believe in this. And the next thing you know, 
their entire belief system is turned upside down. And I've seen it make people a little more empathetic, a little more cognizant of how they are treating other people in this realm. And so, you know, it's, it's, it's almost like soul work sometimes. So, yeah. Corey, what got you into a uh, paranormal investigating? Um, just like the, like the urban exploring at first, um, like, like Cherie said, being young as a kid, I mean, I grew up and living in a haunted house too, but it's something about abandoned buildings and finding the old stuff got me really crazy about it. And I would spend a lot of time in this hospital and I just started hearing things. I would see stuff walk down hallways. I could literally like see shadows and, and, and stuff. It made me want to investigate. So I started buying you know, the spirit boxes and the EMF detectors. And I was doing it for, on my own for a while until we actually formed the team. But it's, it was all the experiences I had. I wanted to prove to people that what I was hearing and seeing was not bullshit because <laughs> it's not. Right. Right. Now, I have been involved with the paranormal since I can remember, even before I met Megan and it got more, uh, turned up than it was before uh my ranch that i speak about on my podcast my infamous ranch that uh i've experienced oscar knows uh that i've experienced about everything you can think of paranormal from ghosts to a possible cryptoid to aliens um to seeing a shadow figure of a big little victorian girl in all black yell wake up at me um yeah that wasn't fun um that would freak me out but uh <laughs> Yeah, everything you can think of on this ranch experience. And this is a ranch I grew up on in Texas. Um, And after I left it, I moved out and I started living with Megan, my wife right now, who is a psychic medium. And I think holds about, if not all the psychic abilities you can think of, which is strange for her. But she's she's shown more abilities than I I think we can count. But um, it, it turned up. Because everything we experienced together from uh, seeing doorknobs rattle, from I've been scratched, grabbed, touched, heard my voice called, seen a, a person walk around the corner, um, everything involved with that. And this is before we even decided to become investigators and, and stuff like that. We just we dealt with this our entire life. And Megan finally giving, let's say giving into, but accepting her abilities and not ignoring them, not pushing to the side, not being afraid of them. And as soon as she started adapting to them and, and, and appreciating, but accepting them and actually learning and learning to control them is when she we decided to become investigators. And through investigating, I was always curious about the paranormal. I always wanted to know what is on happens after we die. Why are some of us still here? Knowing for 100% sure that ghosts exist, that tells me that there is an afterlife, that there is yeah. another, you're, you do have a soul, you do have an essence of yourself that exists after your body dies. And wanting to know from firsthand experience from someone who is dead, uh, telling us what it's like from their side and stuff like that, and even helping them, some of them, um, and the messages that, that Megan gets from her now, abilities and stuff like that, is dealing with it paranormal my entire life and then wanting to now investigate it. But now with my current ability, I actually have a purpose to what I'm doing is not just to validate information or even investigations and stuff like that, but to help people who are dealing with things and not just people who are alive, people who are dead that are dealing with things that are hurting them, harming them and keeping them in prison in certain states of fear. Um, But 
yeah, after, <laughs> funny enough, as after I got this ability is when I became an investigator. So I actually wanted to be an investigator a long time ago, but never could find people to actually go out with and stuff like that until I moved here where I'm in North Carolina and joining an investigation team and then, you know, uh, using my ability to, uh, you know, basically keep the team safe and also deal with uh, dark entities out there that we deal with that normal basis. I've never been to a location where there's nothing in dark. It's always one. It's always one. At least one entity or something. I always there. saw that one. Like there's the one in the corner. Yeah. There's always one in the corner. There's always the one in the corner. Yeah, one in the corner. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But they're um, always somewhere. Yeah. Um. I guess another question, because we're going on almost two hours. I know we could talk all night um, about this, uh, <laughs> but um, I guess one of. Uh, uh, final questions, but something that I always want to uh, know from investigators and stuff like that is what is an experience that you've experienced that either scared you entirely, like you, there's a location that you, it was like a, too much to handle, or an lo- experience that, that really enlightened you to the paranormal? Not everybody at once. Uh, well, um, okay, so there's a lot, right? So I'm going to pick, I'll pick the most recent. Um, I, when I went to the Jerome Grand Hotel, um, there were so many weird happenstances that led up to us even being able to go to this hotel. I was on the phone booking the room and the room that I wanted to go in, of course, was room 32, which is is considered the most haunted room in this in this hotel in Jerome, Arizona. And I said, hey, any chance that room 32 is open? And the the person at you know, the front desk was like, oh, no, there's like a waiting list for two two years and stuff. And then he went, wait a second. Actually, it just opened. I'm like, book it. I don't care how much it costs. Okay. So I went down there. um, And while I was down there, strangely enough, I was going to do my own investigation with one of my team members, um, my best friend, Tammy. And uh, I was told by the front desk, hey, um, you're the medium from Seattle. And I said, yes. And they said, hey, by the way, there is a uh, big, big paranormal group. Um, Longhorn Paranormal actually was there. And uh, they said, can we tell them that you're here? And I said, sure. So I couldn't figure out why I was picking up on so many. And I I think I think you might understand what I mean. So many different grids of emotional patterning in this location. So many different levels and layers where there were residual haunts and there were there was a dark entity hanging around somewhere. And and there were there were some uh, uh, residual. uh, There was two suicides in the room that we stayed in. And I actually was able to go um, on a tour in one of the wings of the hotel. It used to be a hospital also that was not renovated. This place, I couldn't figure out why the furniture creeped me out. Um, The furniture was purchased in Nazi Germany. Um, It was all furniture that was confiscated by the Nazis from Jewish households. So basically, I'm like, oh, okay. so let's have a base layer layer battery going on here of negativity. Um, Over the course of last summer during the pandemic, um, there was a group of individuals who broke into the hotel who drew Ouija boards and summoning sigils um, all over the back of pictures in a lot of the individual rooms. Um, In the wing that I was able to go into, I couldn't figure out what was bothering me that was underneath my hand on a wall. And then I saw the photos. There were many upside down crosses, the very, very typical uh, marks of, you know, negativity and and demonic, amateur demonic things, let me add. Um, Basically, there's a portal, a portal was opened. Um, I went in knowing, like you had said, Isaac, that uh, you're not, you know, there's not really much fear. I don't have much fear when I go in. I know 
I know what side I'm on. I know what my role is. And uh, I knew there was an entity in there. His name was written on the wall. And for if you all are familiar, once you have that name, you have a lot of the control. You also have to be very, very careful of saying those names out loud. And uh, anyway, I investigated the, the place. It was very, very heavy. I caught a, a figure in a window. It's also on my Instagram feed. And I kept hearing, let me out, let me out. And so um, ignored it, had a great uh, REM pod and spirit box session that night in the hotel room. I went to bed that night and I had the most horrifying lucid dream I have ever had in my life. Um, uh, we had our phones ring at three o'clock in the morning, ring and ring and ring and ring and nothing on the other end of the phone. Um, the most terrifying, lucid, grotesque dream I have ever had. I talk about it again on my Instagram page. And then I got up to go to the bathroom and almost passed out. And I had to lay down on the floor uh, for a while um, before I could get myself up off of the floor. And I knew there was something in that room with me. Um, that changed everything. I got my Archangel Michael sigil immediately when I came back home. Um, that investigation really changed everything um, with me as far as, as how to be cautious and careful. When you are sensitive and you work in maybe an angelic realm, you become a target. Um, so that was a very interesting thing with me. Um, I was able to say, no, go away. And, and he listened, but wow, was it, was it intense? Um, would I go back there? Of course I would because we're, we're all nuts. Yes. But that was a very eye-opening experience for me. So most recent. Yeah. I can't say I've had anything that intense happen, but one of, uh, one of the crazy experiences that we had with me and my fiance before we came out to Colorado, it's when she lived in California with me. Uh, I lived in Victorville. I don't know if anybody knows where that's at in California, um, but there's a road called Elevato Road. And apparently there's, there's so many car accidents already in Victorville, but that road, because there's a certain bend, People crash there all the time. You see the spirit of a woman on the side of the road, classic type things. And I thought, oh, this is just like one of those classic hauntings where you see somebody on the side of the road or the the classic you'll be pushed up, up the hill type of haunting. So I just went to go do it for fun, me and her driving there. As soon as we hit the threshold where the activity is supposed to be, um, the car starts going haywire. The lights are are flashing inside the car. There's a message that keeps popping on saying to shut off engine now. Um, she starts freaking out and panicking. And I want to shut off the road, but I'll, I mean, shut off the car, but I also want to get off of the road at that time. So I keep pushing the car forward. As soon as we get off of the road and turn away from it, the car goes back to normal. So I had to test it again because, again, why not do right. that? <laughs> um, so I turn back around and we drive through it, heading back home. As soon as we get through the road again, it just starts going haywire. Radio starts going in and out, changing. Lights are flashing. It's saying oil pressure too high. And now it's saying shut off the engine. 
And once we get through it again, it's completely fine. And there was nothing in that area. No houses, no any type of anything that would probably give off enough energy to mess with the car. It was just desolate desert. And I have no explanation for why the car completely went haywire and wanted me to shut it off on the road. But it was pretty crazy. Spooky. Yeah, it is. That is. I mean, that's also like the story we had in Norwich when when our medium tried to get rid of that spirit. We had got she had no voice. We got in the car and my buddy put it in drive. I want to say three or four times, and you would actually watch the shift to go into neutral, and the car would just start acting the same. Like Oscar said, "Haywire, lights going crazy." Uh, the wipers were on. He didn't touch nothing, and finally we were able to get the car and drive and get out of there. But it was it was a crazy night, and I remember having some. I remember waking up that night like it was replaying. I woke up as a dream, Sharice. I had that's it. That's what it felt like. Like I was still there, but I was woke up in my bed, sweating. Same thing, and like all I could hear was her like trying to gasp for breath and try to talk. That's a very crazy location. And another note: I actually broke my ankle at that location, and I don't really know if it was my fault yet or if I was pushed. I just leave it at that. So, I mean, do I go back? I go back probably once every couple of months and I will go until it's demolished. But <laughs> Yeah, one of our most um, intense locations, it wasn't, it wasn't scary, but we had a, a bunch of things happen all in the same night. So that was kind of interesting. We were staying at this old inn and um, we weren't really intending on really investigating at that point we were just wandering around and at one point we did hear a voice that said i see you so we heard that kind of a whispery voice then we did the whole we thought well let's just you know sit outside we're gonna do the whole question answer thing and we did hear taps and things like that so at one point a cork like flew across the room and a cork and this place was empty so um, just a lot of different things. Again, we were sleeping. Music came on just out of the blue. It was like 4.30 something in the morning. And it was a very active, active location. So a lot of things that we could not explain. So it it was something. Yeah. Um, one of the most visually seeing things, I'm not seeing shadow figures, um, which is almost like a basic thing uh, that we go through in our investigations. But uh, it had to do with the library in uh, Moorhead City, which is a, a coastal city near well, about 30, 40 minutes away from us. Um, but the library itself is historical. It's been around since like the early 1900s or late 1800s. Uh, it's changed hands many times over the years. It was originally uh, it was a child's uh, a pediatrician's um, doctor's office, but it staged as a hospital for children during the tuberculosis crisis in the early 1900s and stuff like that um, and due to Spanish flu as well. So it actually did have a lot of people die in it, especially kids, um, which we we communicate with the, the children's spirit that are there. But the dark entities I spoke of when I took out three to help the others pass on, this was this location. This was this library. Um, and I took out a few of the main ones up on the upstairs area. There's only really two that were causing problems, but we went down to the basement of this building 
um, where I wanted to do the pool so I can pull the entire building, everything, everything around it. Um, we had ghost tube on the entire time, us walking down. It was me, my, myself, and our investigator, Mike, and another investigator was with us as well. Um, and while we were down there, we had a ghost tube going. And I was trying to find a proper place to pull. And hearing over the ghost tube, Luigi, anytime we hear the word Neil, um, it tells us that we're dealing with something that thinks it's demonic or is demonic. Because uh, it wants us to kneel to it. So it, when it tells us to kneel, usually it's a telltale sign that we're dealing with something that's evil, uh, or at least thinks it is. And we kept hearing that, like, kneel, kneel, you know, stuff like that. And then as we got to the basement, before I did my pull, um, the two other investigators were doing the Lord's Prayer. And we hear of a ghost to shut up, be quiet, go away, right? Um, a lot of, like, you know, basically, you know, try and tell us to get out of there. And so I think our investigator, Mike, he, he got frustrated with it. He said, we're not going to leave, right? We're not going to go, but you are. Um, and that's when I did my pull. And let me tell you the energy of how this felt when I pulled it was intense. It was, it was, it felt old. Is that, that thought in my head, like old and it felt cold. Um, and it almost took me out. Not, it took me out, but it made me a little dizzy when I stood up. But after I did the pull, um, I did. I took everything out, and everything was lighter. And in the, in, the, in the building, it felt lighter. Um, we look up to the ceiling, and granted, the ceiling in this basement was maybe I'm five foot ten, and the ceiling is maybe like six two, six three. I, I mean, I could clear it, but if you're a little tall, you probably hit your head. So I mean, I could touch the ceiling with my hand if I stood up straight. Um, we saw finger uh prints not fingerprints like a handprint but like someone had their fingers and like slid across the concrete um and 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 they were it, they were sliding in the direction of where i was standing where i did the pull or when i was kneeling or doing the pull um almost like i was pulling something in and it was grabbing by its fingernails onto the ceiling as it was being dragged to me now the we couldn't have done these uh for one because no one touched the ceiling but also because the size of the fingers were twice the size of mine and anybody on the team. Um, but yeah, and that was like the most visual evidence of what I did uh, in an evening. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. <laughs> yeah. There's something in my mind that's sparking about that. Are you sure it was Neil? Because there is a demon named Neil. It was Neil, like get on your knees, like Neil. K-N-E-E-L. It came over the ghost tube. Not, yeah. I'm not saying ghost tube was accurate about what the spelling? word was. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, not but, from those two, but I'll have to look at them. I'm thinking, oh no, might be a bigger <laughs> issue than you guys have if it's <laughs> so okay. What's strange is that after we did this pull, after or after I did the pull, and after we basically got everything evil out of the building, um, Mike was in communications with his spirit guide, uh, that spoke to the other uh, entity, uh, other spirits in the building, and he was speaking through them, almost channeling the spirits of the building. And they were asking, uh, who am I speaking to me? Um, and, and I asked, Mike said, are you asking me that? Or they asked me that. He says, they're afraid of you. They want to know who you are. He said, you took out three big bads that were causing them problems and you just took them out like nothing. They're afraid. They want to know who you are. Um, I simply <laughs> said that, I am the shadow walker. I am only here to take out darkness. If you do not seek to cause pain and, and hatred or anger to other people, you have nothing to worry about. And I think Mike said that was a good answer because they're not afraid now. Um, but 
that location was very impactful when it came to experience things and um, communicating with the other side. Mm-hmm. Look at that. We're all cool kids now. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, I think it's about the time to wrap it up. I do appreciate all you guys coming on. Um, yeah, no, this. it was fun. Yeah, this yeah. was great. Way yeah. fun. I feel like we all need to like now meet up on occasion for like Zoom tea and conversation. So yeah. we we great. should we should really yeah. that that. A good idea. I mean, we're all on Instagram. We can all link up and Definitely. talk. This was yeah. kind of easy. So yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Yes, yeah, this is a great night or episode one of two of these roundtable parent investigator sections. So everyone watching and listening right now, um, uh, uh, you can check out this one and then probably release a second one within the time period of when we are. Um, yeah. So if you like this one, check out the other one. Um, also, uh, just so everybody knows, where can they find everybody? Uh, we are um, on a website. We have um, hauntedhistorybc.com. We are on Twitter as at Haunted History 2 and Instagram at Haunted History BC. So. And I'm on, um, I'm Lonely Soul Paranormal on Instagram. I have a TikTok as well. So, yep. Yeah, you can um, um, find us uh, on Instagram, Induce Fear Podcast. Uh, Facebook, the same thing, also on TikTok, uh, Induced Fear, and then our YouTube channel, Industrial Podcast. Uh, same thing with me, Paranormal Hunters of Mass on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and we do a little bit of a TikTok too. So we're out there. Right. I do appreciate everybody coming on. Um, and as always, we'll catch your weirdos in the next one.